Hello and welcome to the Blistonic Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Anthony, and I am here to provide you with a plethora of content for us yoga nerds, yoga teachers, and self-help junkies, self-proclaimed. And you are in the right place if you are all about questioning and if bringing a sense of curiosity to your human experience, enhancing your awareness of this human experience and starting to unravel some of the conditioning that is placed upon us as humans as we explore who we actually are within and beyond that experience. Let's center in before we dive into the content of this week. Find a sort of settling in with yourself. Check into your breath and feel everything going on in your body right now. Everything going on in the mind. Soften all of the muscles in the face as you relax the jaw, as you unsquint the eyes, and check in with yourself. Sometimes we forget how enjoyable breath can be. Just taking a couple deep breaths can totally change your inner experience. One more breath. So today I want to bring up something that's been on my mind a lot lately, and it is what is it to be a yogi? And I think there's a lot of misconceptions out there about what it is to lead a yogic lifestyle, what it is to be a yogi, what it is to be a healer. And I think those you know, ideas come from you know, social media where we have a lot of people who are telling us how they live their lives or, you know, we... We have a lot of teachers in the yogic tradition um, that specifically, you know, focus on the sense of living a pure lifestyle. And you think about even the most um, ancient of teachers, and we think about people meditating in a cave in the Himalayas, right? Oftentimes, even there's saints who claim to not take food or water um, and don't need that. And so while that is a thing, let's be real. 
you can be a yogi and anything. And this is something specifically that comes from the tantric tradition. So this says that there is no good, bad. There is no right or wrong. That there's no right way to be a yogi or wrong way to be a yogi. And to say that you have to be a pure being, that you have to have no vices, that you don't experience negative emotions, that you don't have negative reactions, that is very misleading. You can be a yogi and an alcoholic. You can be a yogi and be angry a lot. You can have hatred in your heart and be a yogi. You can be whoever you are, right? And that means the conditioning. That means the negative thought patterns that show up as negative habits or um, that show up as, you know, you acting or reacting in any way, okay? So let me just clear this up right now. You can be a yogi and anything. You can be exactly who you are. You can experience exactly what you're experiencing and be a yogi, right? So if anybody tries to tell you that you can't be a yogi for such and such a reason or how dare you call yourself that, that's a really massive misunderstanding of what it is to be a yogi. So just getting that out there right now. Now, where does maybe this idea come from? And I, I like to think about this in the context of where we are now. So we are householders, healers, yogis, teachers, mentors. We are most of us, right? Householders. This means that we live daily lives, that we have bills to pay. We oftentimes have families, children, things going on in life that are a addition to what we do spiritually in our uh, whatever our practice looks like okay and yoga practice and I, if you listen to this podcast you already know yoga practice does not have to look like postures in fact I would say 90% of my yoga practice is an internal practice of self-study and self-regulation And this is something that is really obvious if you look at the text. If you look at Ashtanga yoga in the context of the eight limbs, the eight-limbed path of Ashtanga yoga. And if we're looking at the eight limbs, we have one of them is asana. Okay, and if we're looking at the texts that are showing us that these are the eight limbs, it comes from the Yoga Sutras. And in the Yoga Sutras, there are three sutras, these threads, and it's very carefully worded um, sentences that are almost poetic. And they have such rich meaning um, and translated from Sanskrit. So in those three, uh, in our three sutras about asana, it tells us that our seated posture should be steady and, depending on how you translate it, sweet. Find ease in the steadiness. So steadiness and ease, but really it's stiram, sukham, asana. So this is steadiness, sweetness, 
posture. And specifically, it's referring to the seat for meditation. So this isn't talking about what we think about going to a yoga class now and we are doing a series of postures for exercise, fitness, whatever, or stretching or whatever it happens to be. This is talking about the seated position that we use for meditation. So getting back to this idea of healers are now householders, where have we come from? So we think about those yogis, maybe we think about meditating in caves in the Himalayas or whatever. And in ancient times, and honestly, not that long ago, the tradition of yoga was passed orally from student to teacher. Or, well, maybe to from teacher to student. You know what I mean. So from teacher to student. And it was done, done orally. And, you know, uh, depending on uh, your sources, the Yoga Sutras um, codified the practice of yoga and before that um, it was passed down exclusively orally so anytime we have um, spiritual or religious texts written down it makes it more accessible to the common person so somebody can pick up this book and maybe get some information from it however because of the richness of this text it is something that you have to kind of dig into that you have to chew a little bit and integrate into your life slowly anybody can just read the book but understanding it and integrating it is a completely different practice so it used to be passed from teacher to student and within that context you know the, the knowledge and the wisdom was really exclusive essentially so only these people are able to pass down this information and this is where we have guru culture of that one master in a way passing down this content this information and wisdom and holding students accountable and whatnot and specifically in the tantric tradition which is a very secretive tradition we have very 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 specific um, practices for certain effects and that's the beauty of tantra and that is also you know there where we have um, some of this almost need to have a competent teacher right so it, it this is back and forth of yes for some of these practices, we do need to have a teacher who knows what they're doing. However, it's becoming more and more accessible to enter that practice of Tantra or yoga specifically because it is more accessible. This is a topic for another time of, you know, good, bad, right, wrong. It is what it is. Yoga in whatever variation is out there in a bigger way. And I think, you know, you can say it's bad. You can say it's watered down, whatever you want. But it's out there. It is how it is. And to, you know, be in disagreement with reality that creates more suffering from us. So it doesn't matter if you think it's a good thing or a bad thing. The West has um, commercialized yoga, has watered it down, but it's out there to many more people than it would have ever been. So in those days, the village took care of these teachers and of these healers bringing them food and they had shelter provided right for their for their spiritual development all of their physical needs were taken care of and 
we do not have that as householders, as yogis and healers and teachers and mentors, whatever. We're, we're out here in the world. And there's something really beautiful to be said about being a householder and a yogi is we are in the thick of it. And you can only take your students as far as, as you have been. And to say that I have to be above the human experience or this teacher has to be above the human experience is truly misunderstanding this idea that a yogi, and I'm saying yogi, but it can be in the context of a healer, whatever, has to be a certain way. Because how many different kinds of human experiences are there? A lot, right? We have such a wide variety of emotions, of things that can happen to, for, through us in this lifetime. And in a way, I truly believe it makes us better teachers. It makes us more compassionate to see a variety of people, to interact with, with different people. And definitely this is, well, we have so many topics um, to go into that of, you know, not just surrounding yourself with people who are like you, but also really putting yourself out there. And essentially, I sometimes call it going into my karmic fire of I engage with a lot of people and experience a wide variety of situations, good, bad, right, wrong, whatever. And I learn from my experiences. I learn from my own reactions. I learn from my mistakes. And that is the beautiful thing about being a modern day day yogi is that you learn from your human experiences. I am briefly interrupting this episode to share that I am searching for volunteers have questions about their yoga practice and this could be physical asana this could be about your meditation practice or it could be about your contemplative practice this inner work of self-study self-regulation so if you have your questions i am starting a series called am i doing this right And if you listen to this podcast, then you already know that that is a very subjective question and a very has very subjective answers. And in fact, I intend to give you more questions than answers through this series. It is all about investigation and coming to understand what questions might you need to ask yourself before we come to the answer right or wrong because truly this is about what is right for you and I am going to have a link in the show notes for you to um, email me if you are interested just put the subject am I doing this right in the email and I will get back to you to schedule your am I doing this right session now this will be a recorded session and if you are interested in doing this from afar I have the option of doing this via zoom as well so send your am I doing this right questions to my email linked in the show notes let's get back to this week's episode
So, so you know, this is also kind of segueing into this conversation we have about, you know, um, yoga is more widely available and maybe less understood um, in a in a broad sense of of the word yoga union to yoke bringing together and what that means is to bring together this human experience and our spirit our soul the part of us that is infinite along with this part of us that is human and it's so interesting that you know the end game if you will of yoga is transcendence truth but we only can get there by going through and completely into the human experience. And maybe we don't even want that samadhi absorption. And that is just a continued state of meditation, an endless state of meditation. As Meditation is a state more so than a practice. So how do we then not just take the surface value of this yoga or healing arts as we can ask ourselves you know we can do we can do the tradition a service right it's it's become maybe we can say watered down or misunderstood or it's just become more widely available and in that you know we have certifications and you know weekend trainings and all of these things we can do and I think none of that is bad I'm going to stand by that (laughs) is yes, there's maybe people out there offering services that they don't really understand, but that's not, I don't want to say it's not your problem. It's not our problem. Um, But all we can do is be better ourselves. We're not in charge of everybody else, right? I'm not in charge of your experience or your experience or your experience. I'm in charge of my own experience. And part of why I offer this podcast is to share that experience with you so that we can help each other grow. We can have a better human experience. We can find more joy, more bliss, and you know, get to really enjoy this time on earth instead of you know, just constantly being in that state of uh, sensory stimulus reactivity, stimulus reactivity. And we actually just get to have a much more rich human experience um, when we get to share in this way. So any part of that, how could that be wrong? What part of that doesn't serve our growth in some way? Okay, back to how can we um, do a, do the tradition a service or, you know, here's some questions we can ask ourselves or investigating that we can do so that we're not just accepting face value. And this is something that I encourage so much is if you, as if you're a yoga teacher or even just, you know, somebody who is obsessed with self-help and maybe reading or studying yoga or all of these um, books that are coming out now that really help us have a better human experience for sure, um, you know, definitely Bre- Brene Brown is one of those people that come to mind where it, it, she's just become so widely read and so helpful. Another one is Byron Katie, Pema Chodron. Um, a lot of these books help us have a better human experience and reduce suffering, increase happiness, and um, just have this rich experience that allows us to be more compassionate and understanding of other people's experiences as well. So, you know, ask ourselves questions like where where does this come from? Where does this information come from? And in the context of, you know, yoga asana, where does it come from? 
that's a really great question. Um, when did it arise? Also a really good question. And how did it arise? There, and, and this is the, uh, something that I feel really um, passionately about is why did it arise? Why did this need for asana arise? Right, because especially when we have transitioned mostly to being healers and yogis that are also householders, right? It comes with a lot of baggage, whether it's through physical work, just in the context of what you do in a physical day that's hard on the body, um, or in the context of all of the emotional stuff that goes on, right? And it's stored in the body. The body always remembers what is going on in the mind. The body will tell us. So, you know, it could we all like we we have heard we store trauma in the body, right? But that is just a piece of that. We store it all in the body, all of our emotions. And so, when we think about sitting to meditate and all of that, when we get really quiet, all of that stuff kind of bubbles up to the surface. So, you know, what is the history? What is the culture that this healing practice, this yoga come from? Whatever it is, whatever tradition you're in, entering into, these are just questions to think about and ask yourselves. Um, you know, what texts or resources or trainings could be considered authentic? And, it, you know, I think it's just a, a disservice to accept things at face value. And this is part of what I have really been embracing and embodying is part of my dharma, my path, is to, to ask these questions. For sure, I've taken things at face value and you just repeat something that you hear another yoga teacher say or um, that you heard in a book. And it's really once we integrate the information and, and sometimes that's through just being curious about our own experience of it. Sometimes it's being curious about, um, you know, where it comes from and asking these kinds of questions that dig around into the history or culture of where this came from. And as far as, you know, getting back to yoga asana came from this need to um, release things in the body before we can sit and meditate otherwise our meditation is much less effective so truly yoga asana in my book is a preparation for meditation and if you've ever taken my class you know I believe that <laughs> so wholeheartedly it's a preparation for meditation um, so here's a couple things I want to touch base on so all of the traditions and all of the healing modalities and all of the movement practices. Now I want you to think about how, you know, and even this happens in a, in a scientific way as well, right? When we have multiple scientific discoveries or the same scientific discovery happening in different parts of the world at the same time, right? And, and I, you know, universal consciousness, whatever, but we have this universal wisdom. There is universal wisdom and it is channeled through a person. Like how do we have any of our sacred texts? How do we have them? Through people. Somebody writes it. So it doesn't just appear. We have universal wisdom being channeled through a person and now that person has a cultural upbringing they have their own unique human experience so 
I think that's something to be considered is you think about maybe Reiki and, and yes, I'm going to go here. Think about the stories of Jesus, the healer, hands-on healing, healing people, whatever. And I think, you know, there's definitely so many hands-on energy healing modalities out there. And I think it's something that we all have access to. We can be um, opened up to. Um, and it's something we innately have access to. However, you can be um, taught from a certain tradition. So, you know, thinking about Reiki, and this comes from Japan, being filtered this universal wisdom of how do we utilize Reiki energy, and I feel it coming through my hands as we speak, and how do we utilize that? And it, it came through in within the Japanese culture, within this, his own human experience. And so, <clears throat> and who knows? Who knows? But this is just my philosophy on this. And as far as yoga goes, it is so, so, so old. So old and has, you know, you have to think about where, where did it come from, you know, geographically? When did it originate? How has it changed? And the fact that something changes doesn't make it less authentic or bad. I just want to put that out there as well. Is that our experiences as humans, in a lot of ways, change. In a lot of ways, and you can really see this when you dig into the Yoga Sutras, is our human experience is the freaking same. So a lot of the things that we go through because we are human and we have a human mind are the same as they were thousands of years ago when this text was codified and written down. So <laughs> I think this is like the coolest part about yoga is that it's all about this inner understanding of how do we how do we have a better human experience? And we start to um, decondition ourselves from our maybe cultural conditioning or from this um, exclusively human um, disempowered position, right? We have this ability to work with witness consciousness. We have the ability to slow the roll of our thoughts before they get uh, to a place where they become a habit that creates perpetual suffering for us. And this is all about then taking inner responsibility for uh, coming to understand what is our current experience and, you know, what are my current reactions? Where am I experiencing... Uh, and not negativity as a bad thing, right? Where I'm experiencing suffering, I'll say. I say that word a lot, and, you know, what I mean by that is a lot of the neg neg negative emotions that we are out of control of, that we disallow. It is um, negative patterns, sadness, whatever, anger. And, and I want to cycle all the way back to the beginning. I said you can be angry and be a yogi you're a human we're all human of course 
And what makes the difference is being curious about it. And what, well, how do we do that? Witness consciousness. How do we become curious about our own inner experience? Is we realize that it is not us. I'm not the anger. Anger is arising, right? I notice myself doing this bad habit. I'm not that bad habit. It doesn't define me. So it is the witness consciousness, the observer within that is unbiased, that is objective, can see things without judgment. And I'll always cycle back to Upeksha, non-judgment, is translated as to see clearly. Seeing clearly, we're naturally in a state of non-judgment. You can be a yogi. You are a yogi. If you have any life experience, any sort of job, any sort of emotion, any sort of bad habit, it's all okay. We just have to get curious. You know, what am I doing? Interesting. Why am I doing it? This might be why, or I don't know. And that's also something to know. I don't know why I I do this thing that I do. And that's okay too. We just get curious and we question. We slowly get to the root of things. And you can only do that by going into it. You can't just say, anger, go away. I want to be a happy yogi. (laughs) You have to question, where is this coming from? What part of the mind? Maybe what... Uh, what things have happened to me in my human experience that have correlated these things and uh, and allowed this anger to, to take control of me. And, and on that note, who are we ever to judge if somebody is in a controlled state, whatever we want to call it, if I can clearly see this person is out of control with their anger or with their sadness and, and, you know, self-harm, whatever. Who are we to judge another person as not being strong, as not being a yogi? Who are we to judge anybody for being or not being good, bad, right, wrong when there is none? And it's something I truly, truly believe in, and it is something that is very, very hard to integrate, especially when you have bad things happening to you. It, And I'm not this quote-unquote I'm doing in the (laughs) this is not invalidating you of course your experiences are so important and are 100% valid and your emotional responses from them are 100% valid and I don't ever want anybody to think that you know you have to sweep them under the rug to be a yogi or you don't have bad experiences because you're a yogi It means you're fully human. You have all of those things. And then you just get curious. And I truly believe that you are doing the best that you can. And I believe that I'm doing the best that I can with my current mind state, with my current understanding of the world, with my current situation, with my emotional status. Because we're all just doing the best that we can. I truly believe that. And I know that... If you are listening to this, if you are here, it's all going to be okay because that's how it is. And I'm 
I'm here to validate that whatever you're going through, it's okay. Whatever emotions are happening, you're valid. <sighs> and you don't have to be any way, anything. And you don't have to eliminate any of your responses or reactions to life. You just get curious. <sighs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And I hope you have a really light and beautiful week that reminds you of the spirit of the soul that is moving through the human experience. I love you. A huge thank you to the master of the podcast, Kyle Piper. This would not happen without you, and I say that week and week again, but here we are. Thank you, Kyle Piper, for editing this podcast, for piecing it all together, for doing my weekly reminders. So it's podcast day, um, even when I forget. So I know it's been a couple of weeks since I recorded, and I finally feel ready um, to um, share some of these um, thoughts that have been rolling around in my head for a while. And honestly, I just had to wait till some of the intensity of what's been going on in my life could refine itself into um into words <laughs> into words that felt true and right and at the right time so that's what's been going on with me um if you find value in these episodes please rate review and subscribe so you never miss an episode when i release it thank you again to kyle piper and thank you to ivy creative for making this amazing space in this podcast recording studio where you are listening to this. I appreciate you so much and I'm sending you all of my love.